You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1268 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you deep into the night, and I mean really deep into the night, on this Thursday evening, which really is now Friday morning and beyond. And today's podcast is uh, all about the NBA draft. So coming into the night, as you might expect, if you're a Hawks fan, following this closely, if you're a new Hawks fan or a casual Hawks fan that's diving in for the draft, a lot of the talk about the draft was not even actually about the draft. It was about John Collins. It was about trade rumors. It was about trade up and you know home run swings, all this stuff. And at the end of the day, the Hawks stayed put in the first round and dropped at 16 overall. And they also uh, took a player in the second round. Obviously they did trade back for cash and basically what was the equivalent of a pick sale, which I always love on the podcast. Come back to that later on. But for the most part, the Hawks made two picks on a night where they had two picks coming in. Uh, No major trades, really no trades at all for Atlanta. And we'll get into all of what transpired, but uh, that is sort of the headliner that nothing crazy happened. And the Hawks though, in my mind, got a great value with AJ Griffin out of Duke at number 16 overall. Talk about that. A lot later on in the podcast, and of course, he'll be uh, introduced again to the media uh, next week and into the fan base next week as well. So uh, the wall-to-wall breakout for Griffin and uh, Tyrese Martin, who was driving the second round as well, coming up on the podcast in the future. But today's show, we'll sort of, we'll sort of uh, break down what didn't happen today, and then we'll dive into Griffin and then Martin and everything else. So um, midday on Friday, sorry, midday on Thursday, um, was the only kind of new reporting that was out there on the trade front. Of course, there were so many things that were reported on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, Monday, etc. I did a full-on deep dive breakdown of all the rumors on Wednesday evening into Thursday. The DeJounte Murray stuff is still out there, etc. But uh, it was quieter today, for sure. Um, Sam Amick reported at The Athletic uh, midday on Thursday that the Hawks were underwhelmed, quote-unquote, at that point with what the Kings were offering for John Collins. Of course, the Kings have been certainly a part of the discussion around John for a while now. And, um, you know, that's, that was notable to me because Sam Amick is very plugged in with Sacramento, who uh, did not trade number four um, on this night, actually drafted Keegan Murray along the way there, kind of a surprising turn of events. Um, also wrote, though, Sam did that sources are significantly downplaying the idea that the, that the Hawks want Rudy Gobert. And that scenario has been wildly overblown in what he's hearing. That's a, that's a direct quote from what Sam wrote. Of course, that does not mean that we're slamming the door on those negotiations or those discussions with Rudy, but uh, I thought that was pretty notable reporting out of um, Sam Amick. And then uh, also he poured a little bit of cold water on the, on the DeJounte Murray stuff that happened on Wednesday by saying that the Spurs asking price was, quote, seen as exorbitant, end quote, by the Hawks. And there was a, quote, significant gap between the two teams. Um, I've also heard that the Spurs are asking for uh, – what I would say is probably unreasonably high amounts for, De- for DeJounte Murray at this point in time. Of course, that can change in the near future. San Antonio made three picks tonight. They made a lot of little, little, lot of different moves on their roster. But for now, really, there was no big swing trade, even the, you know, sort of across the NBA on this night. So that is uh, notable across the board here. But at any rate, that's kind of where we are in terms of what was actually newly reported. The only thing that was kind of a smaller report was John Krasinski of The Athletic, who covers the Timberwolves, um, said that there, according to his sources, there but not much headway made with Capella. And the Wolves, that's been reported as a potential interest there from Minnesota on Capella. But there has been so far, quote, little engagement on the deal, end quote, on the Minnesota side and the Atlanta side. So for now, um, I will stress this now, probably again later on in the podcast. Um, because a trade did not happen on Thursday does not mean that there's no going to be no trades for the Hawks. In fact, this is the start of the offseason, not the end. 
Um, I always was saying this uh, today as well, but uh, it was June 23rd. Uh, for agency doesn't even begin until late next week. So there is time for the Hawks to make some changes. In fact, I think everyone that I have talked to, even tonight, during and after the draft, still believes the Hawks will make some, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say a total overhaul, but certainly some notable changes to the roster. So uh, don't panic, I would say. If you were someone who wanted John Collins traded today, I, I'm not identifying with that. That's not how I think about the situation, but I understand there might be some frustration there. There was not a big swing taken, but for the most part, uh, I think it was a good night for the Hawks. Obviously, they make a, there was no panic trade, good first-round draft pick, et cetera. Uh, I have some nitpicks in the second round, of course, but I think uh, you know the fact that Hawks were not making trades, I saw some frustration. I, I, I guess I get that on some level. People are just kind of ready for it to be uh, over with and done, but for now, I am okay with what transpired. Um, one more thing on the Hawks non-movement. I'm actually going to play a video for you on the YouTube side and audio for you on the uh, non-YouTube side here. But uh, Chris Kirscher at The Athletic asked Landry Fields in his post-draft address, um, and you'll hear him reference this in the question that, uh, that you're about to hear. But um, there was a question about sort of the non-trades, and Landry kind of downplayed that and said he wanted to focus on the draft picks tonight. Um, but I'm going to let you hear what he had to say about John Collins when Chris Kirscher actually asked him about John, sort of what's going on there. So here's that video. Now you'll hear Chris Kirscher's name, uh, sorry, voice first, and then you'll see Landry Fields and uh, hear what he had to say about John. I mean, I know you just mentioned that you want to keep it to the draft picks, but I got to ask about uh, John. Where does the organization stand with John? Do you guys view him as a long-term piece for you guys moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we have under contract for a long time. He's been a great player for us. He's done great things for us. So, you know, we're we're excited about John Collins. You know, like right now, I'm sure as everyone has alluded to, you know, you take phone calls, you make phone calls. It's just part of our job. We've been mandated to get better, and we want to get better. So that's kind of what I mentioned before, for sure. So on one hand, nothing notable here. Obviously, he's not going to come out and say we're trading John Collins in the post-game, uh, sorry, post-draft interview. Um, he seems a little bit uncomfortable with the question, obviously. And that's not, that's not to be a huge shock. You hear the references there, like they're taking calls. Um, that's kind of some normal stuff there, but clearly Collins has been a little bit less normal in terms of all of the rumblings that are out there about him. There was direct reporting from multiple credible national outlets about how the Hawks are basically expected to move him and they kind of want to at this point in time. So uh, nothing's happened yet, but I thought that was at least something you probably should hear directly or see rather than have me interpret for you just to uh, kind of hear what was happening for Landry. Just for the record, Travis Schlank is still the decision maker. I know there's been some confusion around um, the promotion of Landry Fields to the new GM title that he has, but he's still number two on the pecking order. But Travis Schlank, as is his right, sent uh, Landry to talk to the media um, on this night. So, uh, obviously, he's not making the decisions, but he's certainly part of the process. And he was uh, the, guy, the, the guy that was tasked with speaking to the media about what transpired on Thursday, which is why you were he hearing from him and not Travis Schleich or Tony Ressler at this point in time. Okay, we'll get into the pick and my analysis in a second about A.J. Griffin and, of course, second round stuff and more. But first, it worth from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by RK1UP. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. RK1UP is a leader in at-home retro arcade games, and they're not only bringing you the best game ever back, but they've made it even bigger and better and ever. With actually, wait for it, a Shaq Edition machine. I've been a big NBA Jam guy for a long time. It's just actually fantastic to have it back in my life. I'm not the only one that's obsessed with it as well. And I'm thrilled to our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic, jump clear across the court, set the ball on fire, and one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. 
compete with your friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. And pre-order right now at arcade1up.com. That is arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade Web is the place for fun. They have classes like Golden Team, Mortal Kombat, and many others. And check this out today. They're giving away a free NBA Jam Shack Edition to a locked-on listener if you want to enter that for the chance of a honestly awesome game console for your man cave or something else. What you want to do is go to arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on. You have until July 8th to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today at arcade1up.com slash locked on. All right. So, of course, the actual headliner of the evening, other than just no trades, was that the Hawks stayed put at 16 and drafted a quality player. So, once the Hawks were on the clock at 16, um, it was interesting because Jalen Williams was a guy who's been reported a lot including by me as someone the Hawks were interested in. He went number 12 overall, earlier than expected. Ochai Abaji, also off the board for, uh, at number 14 overall. Uh, personally, my choice would have been between A.J. Griffin, Tari Eason, and maybe Malachi Branham. But honestly, for me, it would have been Griffin versus Eason. Some guys I would not have minded, as I talked about extensively on yesterday's podcast. It was a long list of guys that I would have been okay with at that pick. But Griffin was in the tier above that, as I said on the show um, he's projected to be somewhere in that 10, 11, 12 range. I had him personally in my top 10 and uh, sort of the epitome of what I talked about and that the last couple of drafts, the Hawks had some good fortune in this regard. Like it seems like in the Travis Schlenk era, more often than not, someone falls to them unexpectedly in his first draft, 2017, John Collins fell to them uh, in surprising fashion. And that being an awesome pick at number 19 overall, no matter what you think about Collins, it was a great pick at number 19. And, um, you know, Travis even acknowledged on, on that night, like, look, they kind of just kind of just fell, fell in our lap. And that's what happens. Um, last year, Dylan Johnson, who was a consensus lottery pick for people, and he fell to 20 um, out of the blue. Uh, this year, another guy, A.J. Griffin, who I think early in the cycle was like a number five, number six guy, kind of guy in this draft, had fallen a little bit, but not all the way to 16. I think that was definitely a surprise at this point in time. But the Hawks just stay put. They took a value guy that they had even they had not even met with or worked out. They did say Landry did that they met with him in Chicago briefly, but there was no workout. He didn't come to Atlanta. That's not um, out of the ordinary, by the way. I'm sure that the Hawks probably wanted to bring him in for an interview, but oftentimes a guy that's projected to go well ahead of a team's draft slot does not usually come out and work for that work out for that team. That's a very typical thing because why would you want to go down down the board when you don't have to? So like the highest rated guys that came and worked out for the Hawks were, I think it was Akbaji, Jalen Williams, and Tari Eason, which were kind of in kind of in Atlanta's range, whereas Griffin kind of wasn't. So that's not a huge problem. In fact, Jalen Johnson, same thing of last year, did not work out for the Hawks, was drafted by the Hawks. It worked out just fine so far. Um, obviously, the upside is, uh, is there still. But um, there's also the Duke connection with the Hawks. Um, three of their last like six first round picks, basically overall, including the last two. When you go back to Cam Reddish and, of course, last year, General Johnson and now A.J. Griffin were all from Duke. That's pretty interesting in some ways. We'll get into Griffin now as to what he actually is at this point. But sort of this, that's sort of the scene setting. For me, it was it would have been a pretty easy decision if the medical checked out, which we'll come back to later on. Um, I would have been OK with Tari Eason for sure. But Griffin falling in their lap was a success on the whole. Um, as for the player, uh, he is 6'6". With a reported 6'11 wingspan, he's only 18 years old. That's very, very young. He's one of the younger guys in the entire in the entire draft. He'll be 19 in August. So at summer league, when he's playing in July, he'll still be 18 years old. That's uh, definitely uh, informative. We talked about his development curve. A big thing from this year on the positive side was his shooting. He shot 45 percent 
from three this year at Duke. That is unsustainably high for really anyone, so I don't, I don't, think, I don't, I don't think you should probably bank on that necessarily, but he has great touch. That is very well documented. He's going to be a real shooter in the NBA. His form is a little bit strange. He's kind of a wide base, um, but it goes in. That's always been the case. That is the number one strength of his game right now, not just the three-point accuracy either. Like his, his profile overall, he can kind of scale it up. It's repeatable for him. He sets it up well as well, like with with pull-ups. He's a really good, really good touch overall. Floor game is there as well. Beyond those like raw tools, also the synergy profile for Griffin is really good. Uh, basically everything from a shooting standpoint, from pull-ups to catch and shoot, et cetera, et cetera, is all really good for AJ Griffin at this point in time. I think he's going to have some juice off the dribble as well. Could be a switch punisher in my mind at smaller guards. That's something Landry Fields said. Um, a couple times tonight was that they, they believe that his handle is underrated at this point. I can kind of buy that um, early in his high school tenure. He was supposed to be a number one overall kind of contender. Um, and he has more sort of on-ball juice than at Duke. He didn't really have to do that. In fact, his usage rate was very low at Duke. And part of that was because they had so many guys on their roster. But for a guy to go as high as he was supposed to be going, uh, his usage rate this year at Duke was 18%. That is very low for a prospect of his caliber. But it was uh, a lot of a lot of mouths to feed. And I think Griffin, um, you know, I sort of, that sort of tracks from what I've heard a lot. But the fields was pretty clear that they, they, they kind of value his off-the-dribble game a little bit more than most people do. Uh, early on, he might be more of like a floor spacer kind of role player type. But there's definitely more there when it comes together for him on the offensive end of the floor. He has some craft at the rim. He's also very strong, kind of a bulky type of body body type. Um, that physicality can be helpful for him on defense, which we'll come back to in a second, because I think he's going to need to figure out some stuff on, de- on defense for sure. That's sort of the uh, the big picture question with Griffin is his defense. But for the most part, uh, he has a big physical frame. Uh, I think he's listed at like 6'6", six, six, like 220-ish. And I kind of buy that in terms of his physicality. He's very stout in that way. So maybe uh, obviously the NBA training system will always help guys in terms of like getting in better shape and uh, getting ready to go on that front. But I think I like a lot of stuff about him. Obviously the offense and the shooting in particular is the calling car though right now for AJ Griffin. On the other end, weaknesses. Um, there are some medical questions for Griffin and he has sort of lost a bit of his burst in recent years. I don't think he was ever supposed to be a super duper elite athlete, even in high school, but he did have more burst early on in high school when he basically missed like almost all of two seasons with some leg injuries. Um, he was, he came back and was okay at Duke athletically looked okay for the most part. And I think that Landry did say that they sort of like him as an athlete, but he was not quite the same in terms of his burst and his explosion. Um, at Duke. So that might be somewhat of a concern because I think if you're buying him as a potential star, he's going to have to get um, a lot of that back. But at 16, that risk is a little bit lower than it would have been if they were drafting him at seven, as some people might have thought that they might early in the cycle. So um, I say all that to say um, Landry Fields on the record did say when he was asked tonight, the Hawks are comfortable with his medicals. They said the medical team has no no issues at all with that. I did hear that a team or two had some medical red flags with Griffin. Does that mean anything necessarily? No, but it's something to keep in mind that he is not necessarily um, supposed to be, um, I don't know, the most like safe guy physically. He's going to have to, I would say, get better, get more explosive to be the top tier guy that he could possibly be on the wing. But there is a lot of uh, you know early returns in high school that would tell you that's that, that's possible for him. I'll say uh, defensively, it's not good right now. I got to be honest with you about that. Now it wasn't as bad as Malachi Branham's tape. Um, and I think that he is big and physical, which definitely helps, but he's pretty slow in space right now. At least the step slow, like processing wise defensively doesn't slide all that well in the perimeter to stay in front of people. 
Um, Landry said that there was like the defense is sort of like a calling card for him in some respects. That's not really true right now. Obviously, that's some of the stuff that's to be taken with a grain of salt. But I think that Griffin could be just fine or better defensively. He has he has the tools to be better than that. But like screen navigation, not the best part of his game right now. Obviously, I think he's got to be a supporting guy on defense. But um, on the plus side, he might have the physical strength to be able to like guard fours maybe in the NBA at some at some point in time. So. Defense is going to be a question for a while. He is still 18 years old, but processing-wise, skill-wise, just awareness-wise, you know, versatility, that kind of stuff, it's going to have to improve. Uh, on offense, by the way, there isn't too much to be worried about, I would say, other than the potential limitations as a ball handler, which the Hawks don't seem really worried about at this point in time, and as a driver because of the burst stuff. But there is sort of a gap between if he's currently the athlete that he's going to be in the NBA – um, he's still an okay athlete, but not a great one. And that's kind of the difference there between those two things. Um, I will say overall, I think Griffin could still have star upside. That's possible to me. I could see it. If you sort of see the explosion with him a little bit more and turn that into the ability, especially with the Hawks to be the number two guy on the perimeter next to Trey young. Um, other than the obvious like medical downside stuff, which I don't think is going to be a huge issue right now, the floor outcome for him, like the low outcome for him, is still going to be a good shooter who's 6'6 and 220 and stout and long. That's a pretty good baseline. Uh, defensively, if it's as bad as it's been at Duke, then that's a problem, but I think it's going to improve on some level. And uh, quite honestly, at the end of the day, as people I probably should be better at just kind of laying this stuff out, I would have picked him. Um, and that's obviously with what we know on the, on the outside uh, the medical stuff is the one thing that we just cannot possibly know, but in terms of what we know publicly, what I was able to see on tape, the numbers, all that stuff, I think Griffin would have been the guy that I picked at 16. And honestly, it would have been a great value. I had him in my top 10. So that tells you how good I think that he could be. Um, people ask me even during the cycle, like if there's a trade up candidate that I would want um, other than Jaden Ivey. And I multiple times said, a you Griffin? Now I'm not saying that that was the safest bet. I think that like, for instance, like Ben Matherin would have been safer. Um, but I think Griffin has the combination of the shooting and the potential upside offensively that other guys just cannot possibly match in this class because, again, he was the number one guy in their class for a while in high school before he had sort of two years off. And, again, that might just be a bad development curve kind of thing, but the plus side is that he is so young and uh, it's explainable. Some of his processing stuff is explainable, having missed basically two years of play. And he's because from NBA family, obviously, his dad played in the NBA, et cetera. So a good infrastructure in place. And uh, we'll see how that all looks. But I think it's a great value overall. Like getting a guy that I have in my top 10 at 16, not having a trade up for him at all, all that is great. Honestly, it's crazy. But if the Hawks had done one of those rumored trades for John Collins to get like the number seven or eight pick and they took Griffin, that would have felt like a normal pick at that spot. And they got him at 16 instead. So that's obviously a very, very good thing. Very, very good thing. I will say this. I said the same thing. I said the same thing last year when, by the way, I love the Jalen Johnson pick and thought it was a great value. But I did say that early and often last summer that I would not expect AJ Griffin to be an awesome player as a rookie. In fact, um, he's pretty far away for a guy you would draft in this range because he is so young and he did miss so much time. And, and defensively, it's kind of a mess right now. So I know people don't always want to listen to this, and I would think that as a rookie, he's probably not going to play an absolute ton early in the season. Um, and we're not, it would not shock me if he spent some time in College Park, as Jalen Johnson did. Um, I think he will play at some point as a rookie. But if you're, if you're a you're returning listener, you will know this. But my stance on rookies, generally speaking, is that most rookies are bad, and Griffin might be bad early on. That's not a, and that does not mean he's going to be bad long term but that's just kind of the deal when you're a rookie. Um, we're going to do it later, but again, keep in mind, he's 18 years old. It's going to take a little while for him to be up to speed. But for the most part, I love the investment in Griffin. It's a good pick, and I certainly uh, am on board with the Hawks making it at 16 overall. 
Okay, uh, more to come in a second about the second round picks, as well as my final thoughts on the draft and a, a little bit of a look ahead to the rest of the weekend and into next week. And then, of course, July 1 is looming. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and of course, the NBA draft is now over. As I record this, the Madison never ends with free agency on the horizon. Summer League in July and 2023 is coming up very fast, as always, in the NBA world. With that in mind, Bet Online is a place that you want to visit to fire away on the futures market in the NBA and everything else across the sports world. In fact, it's the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information, both in the near future and always. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments across the sports world that includes the Stanley Cup Finals, still ongoing right now, MLB odds and scores, latest fights, and even next season's futures on NBA or NFL college football, college basketball, and much more. BetOnline's continuous source for all the wagering avenues that you like, and that includes, of course, stuff like live betting and esports, poker, casino games, and more. And other sports are always in the mix as well at BetOnline. That includes hockey and golf and tennis and auto racing. They even have rugby and lacrosse and table tennis, horse racing, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and much more across the sports world. Head there right now to BetOnline on your computer or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world online where the game starts all right and the rest of the podcast will be uh, quick hitters here at the end of the show um second round stuff for the hawks obviously they had made a pick in second round they had some real guys available at number 44 overall of course there was a reporting a couple weeks ago about the hawks maybe selling that pick at 44 which i commented on then i kind of thought that might happen honestly on this night but they um when they picked at 44 when they could have picked at 44 there were four of the top 40 guys on my board remaining now is that a huge deal maybe not you could certainly argue that it's like not a not that big of a deal but they ended up selling that pick to Golden State for $2 million. Now, for some reason, I'll, I'll never understand this, quite honestly, but there are people that will defend this, and I don't really get it. Um, they did – it was a trade, obviously, for 44 for 51 from the Warriors. And the price, quote-unquote, to go down seven slots in the draft uh, is $2 million. Now, people will argue with me if this is a pick sale. This is quite obviously a move that is motivated by ownership – making $2 million. Now, all I will tell you without making any value judgment beyond that, because I don't really want to deal with the argument right now, is that there is no basketball reason. Again, there is no basketball reason to move down seven spots in the second round and get nothing back other than $2 million. Because that $2 million is not going to salary cap. It is not going to luxury tax. It just goes in the pocket of the owner. So we can be adults about it and just say, look, that's what happened. They decided to do this move. They, they, they decided that seven spots in the draft was worth, quote unquote, $2 million to ownership. With that said, that doesn't make basketball sense and no fan should be like, cool, awesome, let's do that. So it's a pick sale. It, it is what it is. They, they prioritize cash over basketball and kind of on cue, um, two of my top four remaining guys went at 44 and then 45 and my top remaining guy went at 48. So Three of those guys um, that I liked were gone between 44 and 51. Now, does that mean anything? Again, maybe not. Um, it's the second round. I'm not saying it's like going to change the course of the franchise, but you can get good players in the 40s. That's possible. And again, it's just kind of a, more of an annoyance than anything else because there's just no basketball reason to do it. But that was the, what, is what happened. Uh, there was a question to Landry Fields about it, and it was kind of just laughed off for the most part about the $2 million. Um, it is what it is. Everybody's an adult. Everybody's adult, an adult, but there's no defense for that. And if you're a fan, if I was a fan, I would not be thrilled by that actually taking place. Um, the end result, not to go the, down the entire rant anymore, but I, I, this is something that I've always been annoyed by. And it's happened, by the way, multiple times under this ownership group. Um, alas, the pick at 51 from Golden State to Atlanta was Tyrese Martin of UConn. 
Uh, Martin is a 6'6 wing, was a four-year guy across from uh, two years at Rhode Island and then two at UConn. He's 23 years old. That's obviously pretty old. In fact, he's already older than the Kongwu. He's like six months younger than Trey Young. So he's a full, a fully grown adult. Um, he shot well this year at UConn, um, which, is a, which is a good thing. But previous to that, he had three years of pretty bad perimeter shooting. So that's one question mark. If he shoots the way he did this year, he's a prospect. If he doesn't, he's probably not. It's not always that simple, but it's probably part about that and even Landry Fields acknowledged that like look he needs to be more consistent with his jump shot and that kind of tells you like this year they're hoping is the real thing compared to the year before um but honestly offensively he doesn't have a ton more to his game um I will say like I know Landry's talked about his um his extra juice that was a little bit underrated with, with, with the ball in his hands he got asked to carry the load a little bit at UConn this year probably not in his best format but definitely a defense first kind of maybe three and D role player kind of prospect. Um, defensively, he's a good defender. He's very tough, very physical. That's something the Hawks don't have a ton of is like that edge to them. And he does have, he definitely plays with physicality and edge and motor. Um, only a, a reported six, eight wingspan, which is pretty short for a uh, sort of swingman type player, but rebounding was really good at the college level. That's a positive for him. Um, came to Atlanta, by the way, for a workout in late May. So they've obviously seen him up, up close before this. Um, some similarities to Skylar Mays, not necessarily as a player, but situationally. So you might remember this when they drafted Mays, he was number 50 overall. So basically the same draft slot with one, one pick away. Um, another four-year player who was very old for his class, but also a kind of a tough, rugged, potential role player type. And it's uh, pretty similar in that regard. So I'm not going to tell you that Tyrese Martin is going to be a big thing, but the Hawks might want to roster him. Um, Fields got a question, which was a good one from Chris Kirshner, about like whether they're going to roster him. Because honestly, um, you know, two ways have been what the Hawks have been doing. You know, Mays went on a two-way contract, so Shreve Cooper. But generally speaking, you can save a little bit of money if you have a rookie minimum deal on your on your books. That's probably the only option to go ahead and do that. So we'll see. I'm expecting him to play summer league and we'll see more of him there, but a guy that's is definitely not a bad pick. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he was like my number one guy at that point. He probably wasn't, but uh, at that point in the fifties, generally speaking, most people that do the draft kind of like drawing like almost like an arbitrary endpoint at like 45 ish. That's like a pretty big drop off. Generally speaking, top 45 picks are worth more than 51, 51 in particular, but even like from 48 down. So uh, anyway, they lost some value there. They gained some uh, monetary value in their pockets for ownership. But I think that Tyrese Martin is a potential NBA player. And that's all you have to ask for at 51. We'll see. I think, the, of course, the odds of that are always not great necessarily. But he could might, he could help them in the future. And we'll see if he's around in, out on a two-way or College Park or whatever in the coming days. Um, since the draft actually ended, um, David Menemann of ESPN reported the Hawks are going to sign Wichita, Ta- Wichita State guard Tyson Etienne to an Exhibit 10 deal. Basically, that means it's like it's like a camp invite kind of deal, tra- tra- training camp. That's not that's not a two way. It's not a guaranteed contract. It probably includes a summer league invite. So I expect to probably see Tyson Etienne at summer league. Um, the Hawks have in the past signed guys to two way deals on the day of the draft. Charlie Brown famously got a two way deal as soon as the draft is over, basically. Um, that has not been reported at this point that I have seen. Um, but honestly, Summer League is going to start uh, two weeks from today. They have a game. So basically, sorry, two weeks, I guess from when we're listening to this, 13 days from then, there will be uh, at least the Summer League schedule actually starts out in Las Vegas. And the Hawks will want to probably gather their team in less than a week and a half, probably for the first time. So they want to fill that roster up pretty quickly. Jalen Johnson's not going to play. You would, you would imagine um, Summer League roster is AJ Griffin, Sharif Cooper, um, Tyrese Martin. And then we'll see who else. Um, Tyson Etienne, it seems like it's going to be there, but they have to fill that roster out. So keep an eye on that. I'll probably do some reporting on that over the weekend, potentially, and then into next week. Um, as far as the moving forward goes, obviously, 
the Hawks have a lot of work to do on their roster, but we don't know what's going to happen at this point in time. I'm going to avoid the deep dive into this right now, but the Hawks have a lot of have a lot of money committed, and basically they are right up against the luxury tax. So even with Danilo Gallinari, who by the way was not traded on this night, and uh, his guarantee date is the 29th, so we're not we're not quite there yet, but. Uh, I think it's probably unlikely now that the Hawks are going to be able to trade him to not take money back. If they trade him, it'll probably be a deal to actually get some more money on their books. Um, we'll see if that actually happens. I probably kind of doubt it at this point in time, but I think the most likely scenario is that they probably just cut him. And if they were to do that, they'll have like nine or $10 million in space under the tax, not under the cap, under the tax. And that's with nine guys on the roster. And that includes the first round pick and does not include Tyrese Martin. So, uh, yeah, that's no DeLon Wright. That's no like back of power forward type that might be brought in a little bit behind uh, behind John Collins if he's still on the roster. I still think, by the way, people were asking me this today. If I had to guess, and this is definitely the feeling that I'm getting, uh, that John will still be traded if I had to guess. But as you probably heard, if you listen to the podcast uh, before the draft, I am not ever been someone that says he's definitely going to get traded. I have not ever been to that point. I think it's more likely than not still, but uh, that means that there's still a decent chance that he's not traded. So that's not a foregone conclusion by any means. I still stand by that at this point in time, but we will see Collins could get traded tomorrow. That wouldn't stun me necessarily. Um, but a lot of the work kind of almost has to be on hold between now and uh, the end of June when free agency actually starts. So it might be kind of a quiet few days. We'll see if it is. It might be some fireworks along the way as well, but the Hawks have some work to do. This is the first day of the offseason in a lot of ways uh, in terms of the actual cycle, uh, not the last. So they will have some roster management stuff to get through in the next couple of days, but uh, that's where we are right now. No Gallo trade, no Collins trade, no Bogey trade, no Capella trade. None of that stuff happened today that might have been rumored to happen. So uh, we're coming up with more stuff uh, in advance of free agency, and we'll get into all of that next week. As a programming note, my brother is getting married on Saturday. I am the best man in the wedding. So basically, I am going to be unavailable to do much of anything in terms of this podcast on Friday or Saturday. Um, maybe if there is a huge trade on Friday, I will try to do an emergency podcast from somewhere. But I think more likely, um, I'm not going to do a podcast until at least Sunday. So my apologies, but it's my brother's wedding. What do you want me to do? Uh, I cover the draft. Here we are. And by the way, I'm supposed to be leaving my house in about four hours at this moment in time. I'm still recording, pre-editing and all that stuff. So tough scene, but that's the name of the game. Anyway, keep that in mind. If anything happens over the weekend, I might be uh, pretty slow to react to it. My apologies, I, but, but this is one, one that's not really avoidable at this point. And then next week, we'll have a full slate of shows, uh, three, four, five episodes, something like that in between now and Summer League. And then uh, once next weekend hits, it's free agency basically starting next Thursday night into Friday, and then it's Summer League the following week, and we're off from there. So please stay, please stay tuned. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Please subscribe to the show across platforms. Please uh, leave five-star ratings and reviews if you enjoy the podcast. We have YouTube, by the way, on the video side, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. on the audio side. Please follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you all next time.